Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we cover everything that went down during the Countdown Cup, a new experimental mode, and nominations for the league's most valuable player. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the gameplay section of week 27 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. We have now finished the Countdown Cup and are slowly inching our way towards uh, Grand Finals territory. Uh, But before we get into that, Kevin, how has your week in gaming been? Uh, It's been pretty interesting. I've been bouncing around between, you know, Overwatch for the skins. Um, I've been playing Fall Guys uh, quite a bit. And if anybody's been watching on Twitch, it's just like a Battle Royale Super Mario. Like, it's a Battle Royale Mario Party, essentially. Uh, Like, Mario Party minigames. It's super weird. Um, But yeah, uh, I've been doing that. I've also been playing a lot of Pokemon in my downtime. and you know still dabbling in valorant uh how about you i beat tsushima finally (laughs) there we go no spoilers but like towards the end it kind of got a little boring because for me it's like it's so easy to get everything very early on in tsushima so there's like by the end if you've done everything i don't feel like there's a lot of incentive to keep playing or to replay it like on top of me just being annoyed by having to like literally ride everywhere to clear the map and get rid of that fog, which I had to do it. There's resources literally everywhere. So like by the final third of the game, I was I already had all the armor, all fully upgraded and like all of the uh, the skill tree unlocked. <laughs> I was reading an article this morning. It's like 10 things to do in Ghost of Tsushima after you've beaten the game. And one of them was beat the side quests, and another one was like upgrade all of Jin's uh, skill trees. And it's like, it's very bold of you to assume that as a gamer, I didn't do that before doing the main quest. Like, gamers don't like doing the main quest until they absolutely have to. Yeah, it's um very much like that anime Cautious Hero. If anybody's seen that, um, essentially it's just like leveling up to know that you can for sure beat the boss. Um, it, they take it to an extreme where he's just like constantly grinding and he takes on like the first boss and he's level 99 and he like <laughs> he's got like 99 regen potions and he's just one shotting everything and he's like alright uh, I'm glad that I didn't get hurt there and you're it's like one punch okay like yeah it's pretty much like grinding so hard that you become Saitama and just like <laughs> that that's how the game is Um, I haven't touched Tsushima in a while I don't know why I haven't um i really want to um yeah it's just it's beautiful i love the story but it just gets so easy it's like there's literally supplies everywhere like you don't need to like hoard supplies like i did like towards the end it's like there's bamboo and like yew trees everywhere and leather everywhere and it's like i don't need you i have i can't carry anymore i feel that was like a big that was one of the failures i think of the dev team is that it's too easy to get everything super early on so there's like nothing to do at the end except finish the story like it's a beautiful game it's a great story i really enjoyed playing it it's just things to think about for the sequel which will inevitably come on ps5 on ps5 definitely yeah this is the last ps4 exclusive game so ps5 we're gonna have to wait for um Oh, speaking of the uh, the main story thing, my friend Aaron has played Skyrim, I don't know how many times now, and like this was the first time in her playthrough that she's ever like even touched the main story. Yeah. Like we, we gamers do not like doing the main story. Like it, it's one of those things. I it's where sometimes the side quests are just it is the story now. Yeah. Uh, the main story like even to progress like life in general sometimes you just gotta do yeah side quests like i i feel like right now at least like we're, we're in rona like there's a lot of stuff going on but this is just a big side quest this is like our dlc is, side quest that no one asked yeah. for but was free anyway yeah this was the free dlc uh the stay at home dlc <laughs> uh 
we didn't we didn't ask for this it's not helping us towards our main goal of you know whatever you wanted to do in your career um unless your main career was to stay at home and not do much um or you work from home i mean that that's probably another way but honestly it's essentially like we, we're playing the dlc we're we're playing side quests i uh, like i've i would not be reading a lot if i wasn't like at work yeah um i wouldn't be playing you know pokemon or playing video games a lot if i was still at work um but yeah it's we're, we're all playing a side quest right now it's it's all we're all grinding so that by the time that we get back to the main quest we're going to be overpowered and one-shotting everything oh yeah a, th- a thing on the uh, the side quest thing that I'm like really excited for is like I've read from Cyberpunk, which I'm like super super stoked to play this game. That like you don't even ever have to touch the main story. Like you can beat the game, and like if you just do side quests, that becomes the main game, and then your ending will change depending on what you do. So that's super interesting. That like it's it's dynamic in a game. Yeah, it it's like uh, I don't want to point a specific like one but i guess i have to but like undertale does that where if you you play the the proper way the quote-unquote proper way to play it is to not kill anyone um you went through pacifism like the entire game um but there is an option to kill people obviously in the game so if you kill certain characters you get a different outcome but if you kill everyone you get a different outcome uh that's where you know you, you get the whole meme of megalovania begins uh start crying um sans i glow da, 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 you know that's <laughs> that stuff that's literally where that comes from all right so let's get into the countdown cup so day 1 we had the titans versus the rain which was an 0 and 3 in favor of the rain the outlaws versus the valiant which was an 0 and 3 in favor of the valiant the justice versus the fuel two and three in favor of the fuel and the gladiators versus defiant which was a three two in favor of the gladiators i know we were both talking about being excited for the outlaws versus the valiant um yeah this was yeah. uh, uh um yeah let's just say fate, fate wasn't really tempted that day uh no it, it was kind of written in stone by the time they loaded into the match yeah uh like, the the other two games though were kind of were up there. It's just not they were close. They were closer mm-hmm. just because of like seeding. But like I was expecting the Outlaws Valiant game to get more intense than it was. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it was just I've realized now that I am I'm more just a fan of Dante and Linkser and not really a fan of the Outlaws. I've realized just by watching this. Um, the Outlaws just were not playing well at all. Like, you look at Numbani, uh, they kind of did everything wrong. They kept forcing that high ground. They kept switching their composition, so you never got really any good momentum. You didn't really get any ults that you could use because you're switching, like, literally every death. Um, and so it was just a really easy walk for the Valiant to, to win, and that's pretty much... Um, it's pretty much the tale of it. The the Valiant were just stronger. They put in more damage. They were able to counter whatever the Outlaws were doing, and it was kind of a whimper. These teams are, you know, very back and forth with each other. I'm fine with it. I like that level of competition, but um, I do agree with what you say about, like, liking certain players um, versus, you know, liking the org itself. Um it happens all the time, at least for me in like Dota. There's players that I really respect, and I'd follow them to whatever team they go to, um, like regardless of if the team works for them or not. Right. Um, so I feel like it's the same way in the league right now. Like they're tied to certain teams just because of their contracts. But you know, if let's just say if there was like a blockbuster deal where like Dante and Linger get traded off to some other place um for a new up and coming like you know dps core um you probably end up following that team instead yeah, just because you want to see dante and Linkser 
play together again. I think that they I think they need to get out of this team while they still have careers ahead of them. I think they're too good for the Outlaws. Like they could do some real real damage on a, on a higher tier team. Like Lynx are still one of the best snipers in the game. Dante is a god on the Sombra and like he's still really good on the Tracer. Uh they need to I think for for the better of their career, if they really still want to play this game, they should move after the season. Like it'll suck for the outlaws, but it's best for those two players to to get somewhere where they're actually going to be utilized to the best of their ability. If they were to be moved on to a different squad or a different, you know, place, where would you want to see them land? Like with what team and with what like background do you think that they would actually do okay in? I kind of want to just to go to Philly just so Philly can win something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I don't but I don't think I think a lot of I don't know which team would really fit them though is is the thing cuz like all the top teams are doing fine right now and all the lower tier teams like the problem isn't their DPS, their problem is their tanks and their healers. Mm-hmm. So I mean, next season, if there's a team that like has really, really awful DPS, but their their tank line is solid and their healers are are keeping them alive, that's where I'd want them to go. Exactly. Right now, like, like it- hydration is still learning how to be a main tank, and he's doing a fine job at it for a middle tier team, I guess. Like having just learning it right now, but he's making a lot of decisions that, like, when Linkser's on the field, like, are hurting Linkser, like. Linkser's really good with the long-range snipers, so he needs, like, a shield to protect him. Whereas then, Hydration goes Hammond and leaves him alone, so Linkser can't do anything, which means Dante can't get the cleanup kills, and the outlaws fall apart. Yeah, it's just tough to figure out, like... To balance a team is honestly one of the hardest things to do in Overwatch. Um, Everybody wants to be a DPS player. Everybody wants their name in the kill feed. Um, and that's kind of how it is. Um, but honestly, like when it comes to Overwatch itself, like it's a matter of figuring out how to build a good team and a good core. I mean, my dream team honestly would be to have like that core with like a bunch of people who aren't being picked up or aren't being played a lot. So like, um, I would hate for this to happen, but like, let's just say if the Boston Uprising actually start like decide to actually get their shit together, um, <laughs> they they pick up like Dante Dante Linkser, they take super off of the SF Shock, they take um, they recruit space off of the Gladiators just because uh-huh. like he's he's doing well, but he would want to play with Super. Um, at that high level and Dante and super have a really good chemistry already. Yeah. Um, then you just grab, like you grab somebody like sleepy, um, who has been, who hasn't played in a long time. And then, um, I, I mean, moth wants more playtime as well. That would be another crazy thing. Um, it's literally like SF shock 2.0. Um, but like the, the, <laughs> I, I guess the best way to say it is like, it's the American San Francisco shock. Um, and then, like, the SF Shock right now has, like, a whole bunch of, you know, like, really solid Korean players. But, like, how often do we see, you know, Super or Moth play uh, now? Not very often. Exactly. So, like, if they wanted to get more playtime, I wouldn't mind seeing a team just be like, you know what? Just grab them. Grab these guys. Put them back on a team. Let's just make it all work together. Um, and I could see that happening um, if they wanted to do that. Um, it would have to be pretty a pretty in depth team. I would I would like to see what they decide to pull out there though. So day two, um, now we have the APAC region also in the mix. So we had the Spitfire versus the Hunters, which was zero and three in favor of the Hunters. The Dynasty versus the Spark was a two to three in favor of the Spark. The NYXL beat the Charge three to two. The Fuel versus the Shock took that one. Or the Shock took that one zero and three. Uh, no surprise. The Gladiators versus the Fusion was an 0-3. The Rain versus the Mayhem was another 0-3 in favor of the Mayhem. And the Valiant versus the Eternal was a 1-3 in favor of the Eternal. Um, I saw NYXLV charge. 
And yeah, that that's all I saw that day. I think that was the only one that was moderately interesting for me because the charge did win the uh, the summer showdown. I'd watched the Fuel versus the Shock game just to kind of see them get their footing and if they were going to try anything. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it was pretty straightforward. If anything, like the NYXL versus the Charge, all I really noticed was that there was a lot of really good variety in their uh, their compositions. They weren't strictly sticking to that Genji meta. Like we saw a lot of we saw McCree and Tracer. We saw a, a an Ash and a, or we saw McCree and Tracer. We saw May and McCree. We saw a lot of different just running different things that I think that are missing in the American uh, region of Overwatch. They're not they don't take as many risks. I think what won it for the NYXL was just they were. Um, they were more aggressive than the the charge, and they just from the virtue of that, they were able to control the pace a little bit better. And also, Haxall on Genji was monster. The way how I look at this is, I know that they were actually referencing towards it during the I think it was a Gladiators Fusion match, um, but they were saying like a lot of the teams are slowly picking up on what the APEC region is doing, which is. Because there's no hero pools, you're allowed to be a lot more flexible with your picks. Um, and that's really important. It's very important coming into, you know, a whole thing where there is no hero pools. And this is honestly what I wanted to see at, at one point. This is this is the uh, big Dota brain uh, turning on here. <laughs> but essentially, every single team has a way of playing. And there's a way of countering it in-game with a different... Um, with like a different composition so yeah. essentially it's like a big rock paper scissors of of games um but you know every single time that you switch heroes you give up your ultimate charge so it's taking mm-hmm. you longer to figure that out but if you play it right you can win the game so that's what i want to see i want to see you know characters literally being picked to outpick someone else um if they decide to use their ult or not um does this mean that a switch is happening yes or no um all those questions i want to i want to see um answered throughout this tournament and that's one of the things that you know with no hero pools you actually have that option to do it um whether the overwatch league is going to keep no no hero pools i don't know i think it's better for the league just because it gives them more freedom but at the same time like we can fall into that same meta blues where we start seeing one team use it yeah, I mean, we kind of had the meta blues for a while. Yeah. How did the uh, the shock round go? I mean, um, going up against the fuel, so. Yeah, it, it was not difficult, so to say. Not not to say, like, the the fusion word, or the fuel was easy. Um, It was just that, you know, the shock of the shock. They're, they're just a really... The shock. You're, you're going against one of the best teams in North America. It, it's not necessarily gonna work in your favor um it also hurt you know that fuel doesn't have decay um they're all they're still going through all those shakeups personally um but yeah this is one of the one of the things that i was mentioning um for sure throughout this entire event um you want to have a team that's like really balanced. The Dallas Fueler is actually a pretty balanced team. It like mm-hmm. Gamsu and Note are a really solid like tank line with like, you know, I would say Paintbrush and Crimson are also just relatively solid. Um, but it's just tough to, you know, get all the points working together, especially against a team that's as tight knit and as aggressive as, you know, the shock. They have I I guess they have a certain way of playing where it's just like if if we keep throwing bodies at the point, if we keep contesting and we keep coming back um, and prolonging the fight, they'll eventually either A, start dying and get tired, or B, like, back up of their own accord. Um, so, yeah, that's how the shock kind of play. They're just, like, always in your face and willing to do whatever it takes. So, um, yeah, when it came down to this game, it was just, like, full, just, like, pressure and abuse especially rascal like a lot of people didn't expect rascal to be as good as he was on the um on the genji uh-huh um 
but they put him in like the first the first round on Busan. They ran Anzen Striker, which was a tracer. Um, it was a tracer widow comp or tracer ash comp, um, just because they had Anz in there, right? Um, when they went to King's Row, they put Rascal in on the Genji and they left Anz in, so they kept the long distance ash game, but they kept it with the damage of Genji. So this is like a typical, typical build in, and then they swap out Anz on the third round and they put in Striker so that they go full dive. So yeah. you're just like, it, it's just knowing what pieces you want in the match and then being able to put them in when you need them is something that the, it's bench depth that the San Francisco Shock have um, that really puts them over uh, other teams. Bench depth is huge. And in, in a lot of these top teams in the, in the game, it's they're, they're the ones with the bench depth are the ones who are winning. Exactly. And that's honestly like, it was a huge discussion at the beginning of the Overwatch League that I was talking with a lot of, you know, even with Andy Miller when I was sitting down with him. It's like, when you were building a team, do you want to build teams that have, you know, that are built tall, essentially, like, char- they have a lot of character variety. Um, and, like, or, no, they're specialized. Essentially, like, if you build tall, they're all specialized at a certain thing. Um, but then you have a wide, you have a, more expensive roster because you're playing you're paying people to play one character or do you look for wide where it's like you buy players according to their hero pool and how efficient they can play said hero pool um they might not be the best in the world of said hero pool but they have that flexibility like what is more like valuable to a team right Mm -hmm. and it's always a tough decision Um, because you want players who can play anything when you need them to play it. But at the same time, like you want the best in the world. You want the best player of that caliber in the world on your team. Um, But if there are one trick, it makes it harder to build a team, especially when the meta shifts or something like that. So when I was talking with like Andy, it was pretty tough to say that, um, he wanted to build a team that was a bit of both. It has the best players who are flexible. So the best flexible players are the players who uh-huh. will make the team. Because let's say, I mean, and then you get the most, you get the best, most flexible player in the game with a rascal, right? Like he's willing to play anything. You just give him a week and he'll figure out a character. Like you can put him in like Smash Bros, give him a week and he'll be like <laughs> top 10. Like, he's one of those guys who will sit down and figure out how a character works. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, you want people who are flexible enough to play, like, certain characters to a high caliber, but have your team have a backup if they need somebody who is even better at that role, or you need somebody to double up on a role. You have that as an option. At this point, is there is there really any way that... Um... Aside from just like losing a game, is, is there any way that the San Francisco Shock can kind of lose their place at the top of the league? Do you think? I mean, I don't think so. Honestly, it, we I, I give all praise to Krusty. Um, the way how he composed this team was insane. Um, and he just knew the pieces that he needed in order to make this team work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes down to knowing your personnel and being able to get them to come to your team and play and have the faith that they're going to perform well. All right. Yeah. And I was listening to uh, some of the coverage that the, uh, the casters were talking about. It's like season one, no one really paid attention to um, the San Francisco shock. And they're just like, just wait for season two. We'll, we'll be ready. And they were. Yeah. It, it was a big change. Like, we started out with Harsha um, as our head coach, and Harsha was... He eventually became the coach of the Vancouver Titans um, when they you were know, working on it. Um, and that was, you know, a secondary rivalry if you really wanted to pick that up. Um, but essentially, during the middle of Season 1, um, like, they picked up Krusty in the middle of it. And he was, like, recently laid off of the uh, Boston Uprising. And so when 
the shock picked them up. People were like, oh, okay, well, have okay talent. It's going to be interesting. Um, but, I mean, they signed Sinatra early to the to the entire league, so they knew that they were going to have that talent. And then, even so, they just needed somebody who knew the league enough to surround him with the perfect pieces to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Krusty being, like, one of the, honestly, one of the greatest coaches out there yeah. uh, decided to go for it. So, um, I'm really excited to see what he, uh, what he brought to the table um, for this match. So, I hope... Um, you know, I hoped that he'd do something insane and, you know, the San Francisco Shock, even though they are a mixed team, considering that, like, you know, most of them, most of them used to speak English, now it's Korean and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder to bring a team together like that, but just knowing that your team is operating in a way that almost like a hive mind, they know how to play together well enough. Right. Okay, so let's move on to the finale, day three. Um, day three for the American region was the Mayhem versus the Shock and the Fusion versus the Eternal. So uh, Mayhem versus Shock was a one and three in favor of the Shock, and the Fusion versus Eternal was a three to one in favor of the Fusion. So the finale round was the Fusion versus the Shock, which was a two to four in favor of the Shock. Uh, the NYXL versus the Dragons in the Asian region which was zero and three favor of the dragons spark v hunters was a three to one in favor of the spark um, which i believe was an upset because everyone expected the hunters to win just because of how well they were doing in this tournament um and so the spark versus the dragon unfortunately <laughs> went an oh and four um it's kind of embarrassing for the spark um i guess we'll go into the the american region first the shock versus the fusion the shock were the number one seed fusion number three seed um this one went two to four so it wasn't a it wasn't a blowout by Mm -hmm. by any means um it's just i feel really really bad for the fusion like we've said it before they're always the bridesmaid never the bride um they were able to take two maps off the san francisco shock but just the shock was still such an amazing team and i think one of the more curious things about this matchup was that um they didn't play Carpe at all. Like Carpe is an MVP candidate and they benched him the entire time. Yeah, that was one thing that like I personally didn't understand. Like Carpe is an insane player, right? Like I understand yeah, yeah. that he might not get the hit scan looks that he needs during this meta. Um but you know, if you're going to run Ash, you might as well throw Carpe in there. If you're going to play him against certain like on certain maps especially like king's row or um even busan that has really long map like map lines you can really utilize that um to your fullest advantage but it's really like it, it was a really weird match for me um i i was obviously rooting for the shock i'm i'm from san francisco so you know it's yeah. in my blood but like watching this match was one of the things where I was also asking, like, you know, where is your MVP? Where, I, not like a, not like a taunting, like, where's your MVP now? Like, it's oh like, yeah, we where lost. is he? <laughs> where is he? Where's, where's the kid who put your team on the map? Like, this entire, this entire time, they decided, oh, we'll run Ivy and Hisu the entire, the entire game, right? Like, where, where was Carpe and where was EQO? Like, where were your two people who got you to the finals yeah. the year before? Like, I mean, they're the ones who started this Genji meta pretty much. Yeah, and you're deciding now that they don't have the the guts or the uh, the skill set to really take it home for you. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of weird, honestly. I I would rather have, you know, you would expect the the team to bring in the big guns during these uh during these ones in particular um but there's a lot of players who like once again i think that there's a lot of players that are sitting on the bench that teams aren't using that you know if i were to create the tokyo drifters i would have (laughs) literally people to pick from if i could steal you know not steal but like you know if i could out of their contracts and onto a better team 
Um, like you know, obviously Carpe EQO. You have Carpe EQO, Dante, Linkser. Uh, you you take Super Space Moth. Um, just like a really solid crew. You put them together, and you have a super team essentially out of players who have been benched the entire year. Um, and that's pretty much the caliber of, of literally like the overall league in general. There's just like so many players out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of tough to figure out where they're, where they're at. Um, but yeah, there's an- another thing that I want to point out. If you look at the rosters throughout the entire match as well, um, the fusion literally sat with, their their full six and they called it you know we're gonna play these six this is gonna be our six that we're gonna play with um but then like the shock are willing to switch it up because they know that they have personnel um and later on especially in games like that get down to the wire um there are things that i want to specifically point out um player fatigue is something that takes a heavy toll uh, if you don't pay attention to it like yeah consider day three day three the entirety by the way you had to go through your your semifinals match and the finals match right um yeah. they had a 3-1 against the eternal with the same roster so you're essentially playing you're okay so you're expecting this team to win seven games in one day with the same people like pretty much the entire day like, okay, except for Nepal. I guess Nepal versus the Paris Eternal, they play Carpe once, and that's it. Like, <laughs> that was it. That's, like, the only look that they gave him. Him and Poco were in. And then for the rest of the day, they ran the same the same lineup. No breathing room. No, yeah. uh, like, I guess it's because the Nepal was an 0-2 uh, in favor of the Paris Eternal, that they were like, all right, well, you know what, Carpe Pogo, you're not working. We'll just do what works. But, like, honestly, like, you never know. You could have used them during these last matches. Your players wouldn't have been fatigued going up against a fresh shock, um, considering that, like, each, every single round, um, they essentially put in subs. They subbed out certain people. They let them take a break. They let them come back. And then, the roster is always fresh. It's like having a having a team of six players on a basketball team versus having a full set of ten. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. When you have six, you, you essentially have like one person sitting on the get catching their breath while everyone else is panting on the court, uh, you know, grasping for their inhaler, uh me included. But like you have that whole thing going on. Um versus like an entire team have subs you could be like okay yeah you two rest we put in these two we'll give you guys like five minutes to rest we'll sub them back out you come back in you guys are gonna be fresh so like yeah it's literally a matter of having fresh eyes and like fresh players in the match and most people think you know oh maybe that's only a traditional sport no it's an esports thing when it comes to like mental fatigue i guess it's it's better than what we had season one i remember season one you played the entire tournament in two days. They split it up to three days now, but still, this is, it's kind of brutal for the final two teams. Um, one thing I did notice about the way the Shock were playing here is on the two maps that the uh, the Philly Fusion did win, which were, um, which ones were they? Actually, no, it's not the two maps they won, but there were two maps. I believe it was Gibraltar. Yeah, it was Gibraltar, and it was... Um, can't remember what it was. There were two maps that the, uh, I guess it probably was King's Row, maybe. Um, but whatever, Gibraltar was one of them. But there were t- there were times when the San Francisco Shock were just literally all over the place, and there was like no coherent, um, no no coherent plan. Um, they were just kind of trickling in, and I don't know what it was, but <sighs> what was it this? possibly that the shock were just feeling like since they're on a roll since that they are the san francisco shock like they kind of just took for granted that they are the shock and that they could win this no problem um like did did you notice that yeah i i did point that out um at least in my own like head when i was watching this game um 
Yeah, sometimes I feel like they get lost in the sauce. This is a good way of describing it. Essentially, like, you're so hyped, you're overhyped that you miss what you're looking for in particular, um, which is that focus, focus fire. You're like, oh, yeah, we're, the, we're essentially, like, overconfident is what's killing them. Um, mm-hmm. On Gibraltar, it was hyper-aggression. They, they went in too hard, and they got caught out. Um, that is, you know, it is a style of the shock where they just like kind of go in and do their own thing. But like, especially against a Philadelphia fusion team, you want to go in cleanly execute back up, heal up, go again. Like that's how you, that's how you play dive. Um, and the fact that they couldn't even get it past the first point was, uh, pretty rough, honestly. Um, it just worked out in their favor. I just think like, you know, the the fusion played that a lot slower, a lot steadier, but they really couldn't figure out how everything worked. So um yeah. I just hope that everything doesn't go to their head as quickly. I just hope that they can get back. They're gonna watch that tape and be like, Okay, what the hell were you guys thinking? Uh-huh. Like they're gonna like Krusty's gonna pull out the belt. Like like what what were you guys thinking? Like Honestly, it's some of those like silly mistakes that could cost you a championship. Um, like, if they won that, it would have been over by Oasis. Like, but mm-hmm. because they they slipped up a little bit, they had to take it to you know a full map six and play Numbani. So where that one was kind, that match was kind of a, a closer one, but the Spark V Dragons was not close at all. Uh, the Dragons yeah. won that four and zero. It this was not a championship caliber match in any sense of the word. It felt like just like another game where the dragons were winning. It, it's sad that we can't have that cross play yet. Um, I feel like the dragons versus the shock to be like an insane match if we ever get it. Um, just because you know the teams play in a very high level um, to each other. Um, it, it was kind of fun to see, you know, Architect play a little bit more. But at the same time, like, these teams, especially when playing against a team like the Dragons, they are organized. They are doing exactly what they need to do. Um, it it was just difficult to watch sometimes. Um, it, was, it was just so fast. Yeah. Like, the Dragons are just so strong. Like, the, the, the Spark woke up in the last two maps kind of um volskaya there was around two on the attacks uh so same thing on route 66 but it's just waking up halfway through against a team like the shanghai dragons is not going to do anything for you because if you start playing harder they start playing harder and you've just shot yourself in the foot by like not really contesting them the first two maps exactly like if the spark have got to find some way to make it click faster for them. Um, I feel like it was kind of sad that the hunters were knocked out. Um, even though, like, I love the hunter style, especially like when there's no hero pools. Um, what they do is like they'll play a mang for like one map and they'll be like, oh, they play ball, so we got to play kind of weird. And so they'll play ball on a map that gives them the opportunity to knock people off and then they'll not play him for like the rest of the tournament just because like he d- he did his job and he and he yeah. does it well like if you look at the shock versus the Chengdu game like i i believe their first game yeah the the first map they play him they play a meng and then for the rest of the entire tournament they just like don't put him in like they they put them in literally for the uh, control point maps, and then they just let them sit. Um, but yeah, it's fun to see, like, you know, the two opposite school of thoughts. Like the dragons are be like, we do this, it works, so we keep going. Versus like the hunters who are like, oh, we'll do something weird, so you don't know what what to play into anymore. Like we're gonna make you question your charts and your billboards and stuff like that. Uh, this is this is our game now. Um, but yeah, versus the versus the spark, like even though they put up a really good fight against the hunters, um, they they got outpaced uh, in in their match against the yeah. dragons. Like the dragons are playing at just like a such a higher organized level 
that like if you try to play them in their own way you're gonna lose um which is why you know i still would have loved to see the hunters like they would have done something super weird just for the hell of it um, chengdu style is a thing yeah just full chengdu like if hero lock wasn't a thing if the roll lock wasn't a thing you would expect the four dps a meng and one support kind of deal all over again um and yeah that's what we were expecting like honestly but because you're playing a slower paced game against the shanghai dragons you are gonna lose that. so in the end the shock got their win this season their their first one and the dragons got their second i was if the dragons didn't win it would have been really weird because then um there would have been no repeat champions in these tournaments but the dragons were able to finally get their second win I'm actually, I'm still surprised that this is the, like, out of the three tournaments, like, the Shock only won one. Yeah, like, we, once again, like, destroyed throughout the other two tournaments. Uh, I wouldn't say completely destroyed, but, like, you know, it was close. May Melee, we came in second. And uh, same thing with uh, the the Summer Showdown. We just lost to that Genji meta pretty hard um, in, in semifinals. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting that we're there, but like we've always been competing, which is one thing that like I love about, you know, the shock. Like they they're always consistently, you know, top four. Like there's not they're not slipping anytime soon. They they're willing to take fights. So, um, yeah, I, it may I take believe... them a while to adjust to the meta, but they get there. Yeah, like once we figure out how everything works, like they're they're clicking they're ready to go so um i have just a lot of confidence with the entire team um and just the way how they play uh i feel like the same way with the philly fusion they just need to find like their one time and if if it were to happen you know like top four teams each one of these guys have won a cup already if the fusion take the league like i wouldn't be i wouldn't be mad like we, we had it last year that's fine if the Philly Fusion take it this year, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad. I'd just be like, you know what, it's their time. They deserve this. Like yeah. they they worked for it. So um kind of interested to see how well they do. So now that that's all well and done, um, we have our MVP nominees for the year. We've got Fleta on DPS for the Dragons, XE DPS for the Eternal, Violet DPS for the Shock. Wait, no, Violet's not DPS. Yeah, Is Violet's it? a sport. Yeah, Violet's support for the DPS. I mean, he might as well be a DPS considering uh, how many kills he gets with Zen. Like, <laughs> true. He's a he's a DPS support for the Shock. There we Krong go. is a tank for the Charge. Carpe DPS for the Fusion. Which, again, why didn't you play him? Uh, Choi Hyobin tank for the Shock. Eileen DPS for the Charge. Void is a tank for the Dragons. Yaki DPS for the Mayhem, and Alarm as support for the Fusion. Honestly, I like these MVP uh, MVP nominations. Um, yeah, these are all really strong. They're all really solid. Um, I mean, hands down, Sparkle's going to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, I, oh, he better. Yeah, like there's no there's no way how he doesn't win Rookie of the Year here. Um, but I think that's why uh, XZ is on this list because they know that Sparkle's going to get the other one. So um, honestly. I feel like Violet shot himself in the foot um, for the MVP thing, considering that he got the suspension. Uh, that, that's just how I see it. Um, Carpe didn't show up during the finals because I, I guess their coach told him no. Um, Krong is honestly a solid pick. Like I, I really like Krong's Sigma play. Yeah, he's just a solid player. Fleta as well on the Dragons is the reason why they're number one in the APAC region. Um, they... They're just really solid. Um, then, you know, Void on the tank, very solid as well. Um, Yaki's the reason why the main got up to the... Uh, what, what was it? The, they won't melee. I think he's um, definitely one of the top Genjis that we have in the league right now. Yes. Then Alarm is just, like, consistent. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say, honestly, like... If I had to do one for, like, each category... Um, I would say, you know, Yaki for, for the mayhem, just because he literally defined the Genji meta, um, besides like EQO, but like Yaki was the one who made it work. 
mm-hmm. um, besides you know Sparkle, because, but he's not on this list. So there's, I mean, there's Yaki a reason did it why. before Sparkle, I think. Exactly. Sparkle like, came in but, and showed him how it was really done. <laughs> yeah. Um, for tanks wise, I have to give it a Choi. I mean, he's just consistent. Like there, there's things that like people look at in terms of stat and numbers. And one of them, one of the stats that Choi has is like um, kills off of accretion hits. So every single time, it's like almost like one to one. Like every single time that Choi lands a rock, whoever he rocks gets killed immediately. Like it's pretty insane. Um, but like he, him himself might not get a lot of like damage numbers up. But just the conversion off of accretions is really important for the team. And Choi is like one of the best at winning those. So um, I have to give him that. And then I mean, the only other support on this list besides Violet is Alarm. So Alarm has to get it. I think Violet, I, I know Violet has done a lot in terms of like just pure damage and the way how it works, but I don't think he's going to get MVP votes. Uh, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. a personal thing at this point. Um, but I think, you know, honestly, I think Choi can, Choi can win it. Um, I could see Fleta winning it as well. Um, it really does come down to how people decide to vote yeah, and really how it plays out that way. I'm leaning between Krong and Choi just because they're, they're both so dominant whenever they're playing their roles. And then between Fleta and probably Yaki, just because they're, they're just so memorable on the on the games that they play, and it's, the technique is so good. I just hope that, like, whenever they finish the full season, like they were saying, you know, travel accommodations and like figuring out travel logistics. If we get that Shanghai Dragons versus Shock match, or even like a Charge versus Shock match, like that literally settles the debate. Like, we need to see. Yeah. Like these matches happen. I would really like to see a tank win it this year just because the last two years, first year was Jonak for, which was a support role. Just uh, his Zenyatta was legendary. We had Sinatra last year, DPS. He could pretty much play anything. And this year it'd be nice to see a tank just to round out all of that. Like obviously wouldn't want to give it to a tank just because trying to give it to a tank, but, um, It'd be nice to see some tank love out there. Yeah, they're the unsung heroes of like most of the teams. Like, yes, the DPS get the get the calls because they get the kills, but you know the ones who set up the kills and the ones to prevent them from dying are the tanks. So, uh, it's just really important to appreciate what they do for your team. All right. So next week we are first. This is weird. We're not getting a week off like we normally do. Yeah, I think they're trying to like finish out the 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 week. I, I mean, there's only two weeks that they're kind of like planning for ahead, anyways. So, yeah. I I don't know why they're cramming so much into this, but like, I guess if they want to like get them over with, that's that's the My way to go. My guess is they're trying to like they're trying to finish these as soon as possible so they can start making accommodations for the travel to Asia because they do, there's going to be a couple weeks where. They need to plan logistics. They need to quarantine everybody. They need to get everybody over there uh, to Korea. So my mm-hmm. guess is they just want to get this all done and over with early to to leave them that kind of flexibility and that timeline. Um, but here, here's who's playing next week. So Friday's games are going to be the London Spitfire versus the Seoul Dynasty, uh, the Florida Mayhem versus the Vancouver Titans, the Gladiators versus the Fuel. That's Friday. Saturday is going to be the NYXL versus the Dynasty, the Dragons versus the Spitfire, the Rain versus the Eternal, the Titans versus the Fuel, the Uprising versus the Gladiators, and the Shock versus the Fusion. Hopefully, I'm I'm hoping that's going to be a good matchup. That I'm hoping for a revenge match for the Fusion, but you're going up against the San Francisco Shock, so fingers crossed. Uh, Sunday it's going to be the Dynasty versus the Spitfire. Again, in the same weekend, uh, the Shock are going to go against the Defiant, the Mayhem are going to hit the Valiant, and the Titans are going to match up against the Rain. Yeah, it's kind of weird how the Soul Dynasty and the London Spitfire are going head-to-head again. London has another game. 
Well, they each have an extra game against the Excelsior and the Dragons. It must be just to like finish out the game count. Yeah, I'm guessing it's like a numbers thing. Yeah. But that's um, going to be really weird seeing them like playing against themselves in the same weekend. Yeah, I like, mean, one day could be enough. Like if yeah, one definitely. team gets beat by the Dragons and the other team gets beat by the Excelsior, I mean, it might pick up a few things and see how it works. But yeah, the, the Shock have two games literally like Saturday, Sunday. Uh, that's going to be something to look forward to, um, at least for me. There's just a lot of like games that need to be finished up, and I can see why this schedule is kind of all over the place. Um, next week, I feel like it's even going to be more messy, but I I hope that they clean up the season and just like give us a definitive answer of like you know who, who's going to be better throughout the season. All right, so that's that pretty much wraps us up. Anything you wanted to talk about, Kevin? Any last minute reflections, coach words of wisdom? Um. I guess the only thing is like oh, today's Tuesday, the uh, the thing reset. So sorry if you missed out on your Union Jack Tracer skin. Uh, get the best skin of the summer event right now, which is that uh, the Bastion, Bastion Sandcastle. Sand like that's like honestly the best skin. Um, so go ahead and get that while you can. Ganymede uh, has sunglasses. Come on. Yeah, you you can't say no to that. What more do you um, need? So yeah, just get your skins. Get on early. Um, and you know play with friends make sure that you stay connected but you know socially distant and with that i think we are done for the week thanks guys for tuning in and we'll be back same thing next week doing the uh, all the coverage of the road to the grand finals um thanks for tuning in and hope you have a great week Next week, we look at the matchups leading into the Grand Finals, plus more news from the world of Overwatch. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms, and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at BelieveInOWL at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.